Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. If you've never been an Audible customer and want to see what they offer, just go to www.audibletrial.com slash Excelsior Journeys and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs, download a title for free, and start listening. It's that easy. Why Audible? Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from the leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, and entertainers. And with this free 30-day trial, you'll have your pick of it all. You can hear books of all genres narrated by Jim Dale, Stephen Fry, Will Patton, Alex Hyde-White, Jeff Brick, Neil Shaw, William Demerit, and even a few by me, George Soroy. So go to www.audibletrial.com slash Excelsior Journeys and start your own 30-day journey with Audible today. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of the award-winning podcast, Entrepreneurs on Fire, and you're listening to the Excelsior Journeys with George Soroy. Prepare to ignite. Is there a burning desire within to share your creativity with the rest of the world? Do you insist on pursuing your passion by any means necessary? Then you are on an Excelsior journey, and you are not alone. Welcome back to Excelsior Journeys. My name is George Zoroy. Thank you so much for being here. I have spoken many times about the positives of being a part of a writing community. It's something that I have been experiencing since 2013 when Rocking Horse Publishing decided to take a chance on relaunching Excelsior. And I was brought into an amazing group of different writers from all points of life and getting to not only know um, the basic writing community in St. Louis, but also getting to know the both the Missouri Writers Guild and the St. Louis Writers Guild, which is its uh, local chapter over here. It's been a real treat actually working with the St. Louis Writers Guild for uh, the past several years as a, as a member of them, as a friend to them. And it's, uh, it's, it's wonderful how they are able to basically just, you know, keep a real good group of aspiring and soon to be professional authors and professional authors um, thriving with um, by uh, by offering everything that they do. And uh, one of the great things about being a part of St. Louis Writers Guild is you get to see a lot uh, some different examples of collaboration. And I'm here uh, this week with two examples of how a collaboration can really thrive uh, once they uh, start working together. Um, Jennifer Stolzer is a very accomplished uh, illustrator as well as an author of the of uh, several different uh, several different children's books as well as the uh, young adult book um, Threadcaster. And Jessica Matthews is um, is also a thriving children's book author and the author of the Fantasy book Death Adjacent, and apparently there's a siren going on outside. I had nothing to do with that, but it is St. Louis in the city, so there you go. Um, just uh, just in case you've heard it, you know, like heard it going on just now. Anyway, um, to get back to what I was saying, uh, Jessica and Jennifer had uh, have gone on to collaborate on several books together um, with the writing and the illustrating of different children's books, 
And it's a thrill to have them both here so that they can chat about their experiences uh, writing separately and also working together as a group. So it's my pleasure to introduce Jennifer Stolzer and I must I must also add the new president of the St. Louis Writers Guild, Jessica Matthews. How are you guys doing today? Hi. Good, George. Thank you. Well, thank you guys so much for being here. Um, so I think what we'll do is we'll go and start with... Uh, with Jen, if you can just go ahead and let us know your lightning bolt moment that I always like to talk about. What was that one moment that really kind of steered you in this wonderfully, you know, interesting direction that you're currently in? What was it that made you go into writing and illustrating? Well, uh, you know, the the start of writing and drawing are things that I've done my entire life, so... There's not really a lightning bolt moment for that, but the lightning bolt moment for becoming a freelance illustrator, I was working at a website, a website job, and we were supposed to, I was hired originally to do a 3D interactive uh, browsing environment, which then failed, and then we were doing 3D interactive concert streaming environments, and then that failed, and then we were trying to get in on the... Apple's iOS phone app game explosion, and that failed. Wow. And uh, <laughs> I found myself in charge of a department that couldn't get paid by our, our guys because, you know, nothing was panning out. And I sat up one day and said, if I were in charge, this would be done by now. Yeah. And so then I told them I had two weeks and I was going to go be in charge of myself. I could do my own business get all of it done without having to deal with these upper people who were preventing us from succeeding. So Excellent. that was when I went into business for myself, was when I realized that it's the only thing I was getting out of my bosses was pain. Yeah, yeah. So when you say that the different the different, um, the different ventures were failing, was it that they were completed and no one bit, or were they... It, did they just fall apart in um, in the early stages, or? Well, it, it was it was a lot of venture capitalists who wanted to get in on what they thought was a good thing without knowing what was required to do the thing. Ah, like our okay. interactive environment, browsing environment was absolutely complete. Like you could make your little avatar and you could run around. You could talk to other avatars and uh, and listen to. We would live stream concerts, and the concerts would play on like a YouTube panel inside the 3d environment and people could like watch the concert and then run around wow but the uh the bosses didn't know you needed to book server space for something like that oh. and hire a network person to monitor it mm. and make sure it was running and yeah they found out that that was they needed to invest in that they said oh we're not interested anymore and then they dropped it after all the work we did ah uh, that's it's heartbreaking <laughs> you know, like whenever whenever you hear something like that is, I mean, it sounds like it, it was a it was a good concept. Yeah, and uh, they had the streaming going. Like they were sending teams out to stream the concerts, so there was already an audience built in that were watching streaming concerts on their service. Yeah, but it was it's like they they thought they kept trying to remake the wheel. You know, they yeah. kept trying to make a new. We're going to make a brand new industry, and we're going to be the ones to start it. It's like right. we're a three D interactive concert going environment like you're going to a Grateful Dead concert and sitting around doing you know in a drum circle you can do that now like you, we could do that out in the actual field 
that sounds like a great idea. No one's done it before, but then it's, you know, it's like the idea is one thing, but execution is even more than the idea. I got you. Yeah. So that and long form, that is my lightning <laughs> bolt moment. Okay. All right. So, um, so, uh, Jess, what was, what would you say your moment was when you decided that you wanted to get into this creative venture? Well, like Jennifer, I've been writing since, before I could even form words with my hands. So I um, I always had stories, I always had notebooks, and I never really did anything with them because I thought I had to get a corporate job and uh, make money and provide for myself, which is all nice if you can do it and you're happy, but when I got my corporate job, I was not happy. So I decided, um, some things fell into place at that job where it was just more reasonable for me to quit and not stay. Mm. So when I quit, I said, I'm going to take a crummy job just to have money to pay my bills. And while I'm doing that part-time job, I'm going to work on the thing that I love. So I sat down and I'm like, what do I actually love? Because I had lost so much of myself at that last job because I was only doing that job that I didn't know who I was. So I took a little bit of time, figured out the things that I really liked. And once I figured those out, I joined the St. Louis Writers Guild so that I can meet people who liked the same things that I did. And when I started talking to them, I realized I didn't have to get an agent or a publisher or an editor and go through the whole process of traditional publishing. I could take all of the things I had already written and just put them out. So with a little help from Jennifer, who illustrated my children's books, I was able to put out The Old Man and the Pirate Princess, um, which is a story I actually wrote for my niece and my nephew when they were born. And it was one of the first things that I really wanted to put out. And I have a lot of stories that are not traditional in any way. You know, The Old Man and the Pirate Princess is about a pirate princess who misjudges an old man who ends up saving her from a farting ninja. (laughs) traditional publishing doesn't want that because there are too many different things in that story and they can't say well this is a ninja story it's not well it's a pirate story well it's not it's a story about both and traditional publishing doesn't like that because they can't put it into a category they can't label it um i had the grandpa zoo which we haven't uh illustrated to put out but i actually tried to get the grandpa zoo traditionally published and it is a cute picture book story about a zoo with different kinds of grandpas and I wrote that for my father when he became a grandfather so it's stuff that people are not going to want traditionally um you might want to hit pause yeah they're gonna fix our print so because I knew traditional publishers wouldn't accept these uh, and I knew from being with the Writers Guild that I could publish them myself I started self-publishing and I actually tried to send in the Grandpa Zoo to a publisher and they flat out did not want it it was too weird everything I have is too weird I have ghosts don't sneeze I have the lazy vampire I have all these things that nobody wants because I'm a little weird (laughs) so I'm publishing them myself so yeah and you know like you you're obviously finding an audience because we're all you know like we're all a little weird yes you know we are in the this weird wonderful business that we really kind of had no choice but to but to go into yeah and i'm finding that kids don't want samey 
They don't want the same thing that every other kid has. They want things that are a little different. They want things that represent them. They want a story about a worm. They want a story about a ghost. They want stories where the character isn't necessarily some child who gets in trouble, who does a thing. They want to have those different stories because their imaginations are already there, but there's nothing in traditional publishing that can meet their expectations. Yeah. So, um, so Jen, like while you were also in the St. Louis Writers Guild, how did you, um, how did you discover them? Um, my, my dear friend Kathleen Kayembe was uh, participating and she knew that I wrote because we, we grew up writing fan fiction together. We would nice. all pick our favorite character and then we would write stories about going on adventures with them. And it was, uh, so it's like we sort of became friends because we were writers. And she was going to the St. Louis Writers Guild's open mic nights. Oh, and nice. she's like, why don't you come to open mic night and read your stuff? And I was like, no, 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 I can't do that. And, uh, of course, why not? Why can't I do that? I can absolutely do that. So yeah. I started coming to open mic, and uh, open mic was my primary gateway into the guild. Oh, nice. And uh, after making friends there, they said, well, you know, we do workshops. So I started coming to workshops, and before I knew it, I was a member, and then before I knew it, I was the secretary. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing kind of kind of gra- kind of grabs you in, and you know, pretty you know, they, pretty. Well, the the guild, like other places, they can sense the people who have that plug in nature that yeah wants to is like you can tell the difference between someone who is just there to. You know, have a good time, and those that are there to be engaged and be helpful and want to have that sort of experience, and they read that in me, and considering I've been been secretary for, you know, half a decade, it's probably a pretty good sign that they were right. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, um, so with the writing and everything, you, did you, um, what made you, like, kind of transition from the fan fiction that you grew up doing to the fiction of your own? Uh, well, the the idea for Threadcaster uh, was always sort of sitting around in the back of my head, and I would just write for fun, and that's what fan fiction is, you know? It's like you become att- attached to these characters, and you want to write about them more and have more adventures with them. And, yeah. Uh, and let's be honest, when I'm writing fan fiction, I really just want them all to hug. Yeah. I want them all to have a nice hug and tell each other how much <laughs> they love each other, and uh, if I can put one in the hospital so everyone has to bring them, like, blankets and stuff, I'm there, too. Nice. So, um, Always a good thing. Yeah, you yeah. know. Uh, so the the story for Threadcaster started with, like, the characters and the world building because it's, uh, it's a fantasy story that takes place in a fantasy land. And the magic system is based on, like, Cat's Cradle string games. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't seen anyone do that before. So I had the idea for the string games... And then I started building characters, and before long I was imagining them in the same way that I was imagining characters other people invented. And that's when I started writing it down. Excellent. Actually, I have uh, NaNoWriMo, the national, it's the the November National Novel Writers Month, uh, to thank for the first draft, the zero draft of Threadcaster. It wasn't the first draft because I kept nothing of it. Really? But, oh, yeah. No, I threw the whole thing out. It was awful. The whole thing? <laughs> the whole thing. <laughs> wow. Uh, the, I didn't even keep the... I kept the character names, and I knew the two mains and a couple of the supporting characters, but um, by the time I got... I didn't win, because to win is to write 50,000 words in a month. That's yeah. what NaNoWriMo is. Yeah. Um, I didn't win that year, but I, I wrote... I made a pro- probably about half, 
And at 25K, I was like, this is trash. Yeah. But I'd gotten out all of these ideas I had, and it started me writing real outlines and actually thinking about how things work and what the themes I wanted were. And uh, so that's that's where Threadcaster, which is my first self-published, it's a YA novel. Yeah. It's a very large YA novel. <laughs> um, and it sort of is the, the culmination of all of my, my favorite lessons that I've learned by writing fanfic. And I wrote some original short stories. You know, you always have to write for class and you come up with ideas and things. But that was really the first one that I got as involved as I would if I was writing about, you know, Final Fantasy. Nice. Very cool. And Jess, we, um, you know, you were talking about the, the, the kids' books that you were working on. But there's also your book, Death of Jason, that really just kind of like, it's, it's definitely like a hard right turn from the, from the children's books. But that's another beautiful thing about self-publishing is you get to just tell the stories you want to tell. So where did that one come up? So I guess you could say that is my adult version of fan fiction because I had an idea for a character that I really loved Mm -hmm. and took me 15 years and so many iterations of the storyline. If you look at where the story started and where it actually ended up. None of the um, Egyptian lore was in it at all to begin with. It was a totally different thing. And just one day it clicked after I wrote many, many different versions and drafts <laughs> and was like, I'm fanficting my own story. Uh, da, 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 da. No, that's not going to work. I don't know what's happening. It just came to me like, why am I not doing Egyptian? Yeah. And... Egyptian, I love Egyptian mm-hmm. uh, uh, mythology and storylines. I love Greek mythology and storylines. I, I love several things, but it never occurred to me. It's not, uh, Egyptian mythology wasn't something I was totally obsessed with, and I had to write a book with a sarcophagus in it. It just was something that I said, none of my things are working. Why aren't they working? Let me rewrite this one draft. And then I started putting in Egyptian things without realizing it. And I was like, okay, hold up. Ah. I have to do research now so that I can actually write this. Um, So basically it was a fan fiction of my own story that I've been writing for 15 years. Um, But the the storylines just come to me and they either work or they don't. And if they don't work, sometimes they can be turned into something else like Death Adjacent. But if they can't be turned into anything, they sit in my ideas folder, and then maybe eventually that character or that thought or that idea will get put into something else. But I probably have 20 stories I half wrote in the ideas folder, and a new one, um, I was actually just telling Jennifer this morning, um, Hades is talking to me, so now I want to write a story about him. Ah. But do I have time? No. Right. (laughs) I really don't have any time to do that. Yeah. But if he doesn't shut up, the next book might be about him instead of the follow-up to Death Adjacent like I want. So. It's, it's almost like you have like a, like a group of bench players yes. that are just like, you know, I, I can play. You know, I can me, play. Put yeah. me in, coach. Put right. me in. It, it really, when I write a longer story that's not a picture book, it's dependent on whose voice is the loudest inside of my head. Yeah. So that's how, that's just how I write uh, young adults and um, adult fiction. Right. Just whoever's voice is the loudest, you get the, you get the grease. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, some of you, some of you also may recognize 
uh, Jen's voice, Jessica's voice from Right Pack Radio, the um, the podcast which is currently in reruns over at um, over at Blog Talk Radio. Now, how did you guys get uh, how did you guys get involved with uh, with the Right Pack? Uh, the Right Pack is actually, I guess you could consider me a founding member, I suppose. Um, the Right Pack is, was an evolved version of our weekly writing group. So mm-hmm. we were a writing group that we met at a coffee shop every week, and we would have these conversations. And uh, director David Allen Lucas stood up one day and said, why don't we tape these? Because someone would show up with a question, and then we would debate the topic as a big group roundtable, and that's where the right pack started. So I was at that roundtable that first started, so I became one of the founding members of the podcast. Nice. Very nice. And I know, like, in 2016, uh, that was when um, the episode regarding audiobooks was was aired, and David invited me to, uh, to come in and be a... Uh, chime in and everything regarding uh, regarding my thoughts on audiobooks and um, how to get going with them if you want to like hire them out hire your talent out if you want to do it yourself whatever the case and based on that David you know brought me in which I'm very proud to be so Jess how did you uh, come involved um I think David just said hey you want to come do this thing and I was <laughs> like cool <laughs> that was the whole Sometimes it's really all it takes, yeah. <laughs> but that's great. I mean, like he saw that there that there was there was some there was that in you. Yeah, I think um, Jen was the first one that I did about tables and swag because yeah, it was like setting up a table, setting or up a table for a con and mm-hmm. and doing the swag. And I think that he saw everything that I did for my tables and. Um, you know, I have a pirate table. I yeah. have a kid's table because mm-hmm. I sell picture books. And my main book is my pirate book. So I have pirate booty. I have, um, you know, ring pops and candy necklaces. And I have picking pirate names and putting them on name tags. And I always get swag with my logo on it that Jen made me. Um, so I think that year I had can cozies with my logo on them. Yep. So I think he just saw the things that I did for free swag for people and how I was marketing myself. Um, and I think I actually told him at Archon last year, it's a science fiction and fantasy convention, I handed out can cozies. And every time someone walked by my table, they had their soda bottle or their water bottle in my cozy, and they were advertising for me during the con. So that I think that's the reason why he said, do you want to come talk about this? Because you had some good ideas for marketing and swag and setting up your tables. So Cozies, that's that's a fantastic idea, too. You know, like I've seen them on a few other tables, but now mm-hmm. that you, you just... The way you said that, it was like, that's right. You know, like everyone's just walking around yep. and everyone can use it. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's fan- great with yeah. your logo on it or yeah. if you have a quote from your book that you use. Right. Or sometimes authors will sign a quote from their book or they'll sign something specific. Um, like with Death of Jason, I'll sign, what will you do with your eternity? Because that's one of the themes in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could put that on a can cozy and everybody will know what that's from because they've read the book. So right. it's a good idea if you're doing cozies or magnets or bumper stickers or whatever to put your logo or that saying or theme from the book. So everybody says, oh, I know what that is. Yeah. So the, um, so Jen, when, um, 
Jess said that you had uh, you had done her logo for uh, mm-hmm. for her. How, um, was was that channel kind of like the starting point for both of you to realize like you know hey you want to work together on on a project or is this no she already had me under a barrel so. <laughs> <laughs> no she she asked me to do her children's book for her because I'm a children's book illustrator yeah. so we were both at the Writers Guild we both volunteered at Writers in the Park we you know and we we hung out together and. She's like, I want to do the children's book, and so we we got to work on that. And once we gotten to work on that, then it was, hey, I want to do this other thing. And then I'm like, okay, hundred bucks. There you <laughs> go. Well, there yeah. we go. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we do enough. Like the two of us pair up at tables a lot because I am her illustrator. So yeah, it's kind of handy to say you can get signatures from the author and the illustrator, and then I have my right. own things as well. Um, yeah, you have. Yeah. Uh, there was Dog Park. I have Dog well. Park, and I have the expanding Threadcaster universe, which now goes all the way down to picture books. From it goes why to picture, picture books, books huh? and the only thing I'm missing is middle grade, and that's because I'm still writing it. So, yeah. um, but uh, so it started with that, and since we do tables so much, uh, a lot of times it's we even do, you know resorts to the the barter system. You know, yeah. hey, I'll book this table. Can you do me a logo? Yeah, sure. Gotcha. Um, I'm I'm gonna get this swag. You want to split it halvesies? It's like, yeah, I'll put it on your tab for the next picture book. So because we work together so much, and uh, and we know that we work well together, then there's that element of trust to it. That it's like, yeah, we'll do this, we'll do that. Yeah. You just kind of keep your own records, and uh, that formality has fallen fallen off at this point. Right. <laughs> for better or worse. I think it's for better because it feels a lot more like a partnership yeah. as opposed to just being hired to do a job. Right. When you're hired to do a job, then it's all about pleasing the other person. Yeah. You hired me. Your money is going to me. I provide you with product right. versus a partnership in which I have this idea, read over my draft, the draft is good. What do you want to look, you know, what do you want your illustrations to look at, look like? I had this idea. What do you think about that? I like that idea. And then it improves the books overall. It's almost like what you guys are doing right now. is kind of like the Marvel way of comics. Hmm. You know, like the way that Stan Lee, like, was so, so under the gun to write all these different scripts that he just gave, like, little summaries to all the artists and said, like, you know, this is what I want for this issue. This is what I want for that issue. And then let the artists kind of, you know, come up with their own way to tell that story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's how, you know, Kirby, that's how Jack Kirby created the Silver Surfer. You know, like, so, like, those little things just, you know, kind of th- get thrown in there. Well, she's still in yeah. charge of the words. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well... But that is a really good example because Poppy, the pirate parrot, yeah. uh, never would have been in the Star book. character. <laughs> the pirate princess. Um, actually, when I wrote The Old Man and the Pirate Princess, and I illustrated it myself quite horribly. With magic uh, markers. With I magic markers. And yeah. I went to Office Depot and made copies and gave it to the kids when they were born um, and my sisters. And um, there wasn't a parrot. I mean, how can you have a pirate with no parrot? But when I gave it to Jen and I said, here's my thing, she said, okay, let me mock this up. But also, do you know that you have no parrot? And I was like, (laughs) no, no, that didn't even occur to me. So we wrote the parrot in. And I only wrote it in because Jen said, you have no parrot. And I'm like, oh, my God, I didn't even realize I had no parrot. Mm -hmm. So it really has been like a partnership from the beginning because she's like, "Um, hey, what about this thing? And I'm like, 
I cannot believe I left that out. That seems like an integral part of the <laughs> yeah. whole story. Yeah. So. It's like she's got a tattoo and an eye patch, and if you don't want to give her a hook hand, she at least needs she a needs parent. a parent. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, uh, as long as it sparkles. Yeah. Anytime she's a sparkly parent. Anytime she says, "Hey, I think you need this," I said, "Can it sparkle?" And she's like, "Oh, yes." <laughs> I have a brush for it. Yeah. And so, and the sparkle. Well, it was the the bird, right? Is that what you know? That's what Poppy. your logo is now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Poppy. Well, Poppy was my first logo. Yeah. Um, my current logo is actually the original design um, for my business. Uh, when I first put out the Pirate Princess, I wanted to brand myself as a business and mm-hmm. put things out there and tell people about who I was. And I was already working on Death Adjacent, and Death Adjacent had in it. Um, a phoenix and a genie and some other things and those things are not in that book now that it's Egyptian yeah. <laughs> however they will play a part in the future don't worry nice. um, but that is what my logo is coming my logo is a phoenix coming out of a genie lamp with some smoke um, so I actually redid my business cards not that long ago with the logo that she turned pink. It's hot yeah. pink because everything has to be pink. Now it's poppy because it's a big sparkly bird coming out of a lamp. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so originally because I was more child focused with the picture books, I did poppy on my cards as my logo just because she was one of my characters. But now I'm rebranding again i guess and using my original logo <laughs> yeah with the phoenix so cool very nice so um since you guys have talked about how you've been to like different cons together one of the things that uh, that i've also noticed you guys are both very proficient in is social media hmm. and when it comes to um different posts that you guys put up but we don't see you we see a specific figure in, uh, in oh. <laughs> different ones. She should talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, this is Jennifer's fault. <laughs> See, I can blame, I can take the blame, but really, it's this is her bag. <laughs> um, because she bought Bucky for me. Yeah, I bought you Bucky. Uh, you were uh, jealous of Londo. I am so. obsessed with the Winter Soldier. I think he got a bad rep, and... Well, he was, you know, he, his, his movie was the... In my opinion, still the best out of all the yes. the MCU, but that's just me. You know. uh, yes, and oddly enough, he has the least amount of screen time in that movie than he did in Civil War, so whatever. Yeah, right. Um, but uh, since the Captain America, the first Avenger, and then the Winter Soldier movie came out, you know, I've been kind of obsessed with Bucky, who is uh, Bucky Barnes, the Winter Soldier, in case you don't know. Um, so since Jen got the figure for me, Bucky has become my booth babe. And whenever we do <laughs> things, I always play a game, Where's Bucky? And put that on my Facebook page. So you have to find him on my table. I always give him outfits. Um, <laughs> so he'll be in an 80s outfit for PenCon. If I can get together a good sci-fi outfit, he's in a good sci-fi outfit. Sometimes I leave him um, for Archon in his uniform because we meet a lot of Captain Americas and he takes pictures with Captain Americas anytime we see one. That's great. Um, he actually at Planet Comic Con this year took a picture with the Winter Soldier. Uh, so that was fun. But basically anytime I do anything and I want to post it to my author page yeah. on social media, I will make sure he is in the picture because a lot of people are looking for him now at my tables and not looking for me. <laughs> so I hope Marvel doesn't mind that he sells my books, but um, yeah. <laughs> but he's my little booth babe and, and we 
do lots of games and different things with him. So he's really great at drawing people's attention to the table. And, of course, there's the Instagram account. Hey, Steve, it's Bucky. Yes. Which is, I I think it's just fantastic. I think that's a terrific name for it. Yeah. um, He only posts to Instagram when he has something to say. He's not an avid poster. He's not an influencer. (laughs) He won't post every day. But when he's got something to say, he's got a cell phone in his hand, and he calls Steve, and he says, Hey, Steve, here's what's going on. Yeah. Um, So my favorite is when he took a picture with a little can of Tic Tacs and he said hey Steve it's Ant-Man yeah. <laughs> because that's uh, one of the jokes from one of the movies so he'll only do things if he if he has purpose in there right that's fantastic so and Jen you um, we always find Londo if Londo I, if stopped I... making appearances really yeah um, from Babylon 5 just in case you guys don't he's, know. he's still my favorite ever yeah uh, he mostly was along for moral support so I'm not, he's not part of my brand, but he is Bucky's best friend yeah. since now that Steve yes. is an old man. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, and they take pictures together sometimes, but he was, uh, Londo was actually like my little writing totem yeah. because he was an example of exceptional character writing in that show. So he would come with me to conventions only because he would come to me when I was out writing. Right. So, uh, so I'm, I don't try I'm not trying to replace my face with his face so much as he's tiny and he looks really funny next to giant cups of coffee. Right. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, um, so with all of this, you guys have, um, where, where do you see, um, where do you see like the St. Louis Writers Guild going like in the, in the future? Like you're seeing, you guys have had some very positive collaborations, obviously still having them. And um, do you think that that will hopefully be the impetus for other people to kind of do the same? Or do you think uh, do you think there's hope for that? I think people are already doing that. Um, yeah. One of the biggest things that I talk about when I do panels for the guild or I meet people. Uh, last weekend I was at a con just meeting people who are new writers. And I tell them every time develop a network with other writers. Writing is a solitary job. Even if you have a Mm co-author, you're really doing this by yourself. Yeah. And if you don't get out there and if you don't network and you don't meet other writers and develop those relationships, you're not going to go anywhere. Yeah. So anytime I talk to new writers, I tell them that and I let them know you don't have to join a writer's guild. You could meet other people who like the same thing that you do. It helps to join a writer's guild though because they will have things like workshops. So you will be able to learn about your craft, but you'll also be able to network with other writers and professionals like illustrators, um, book cover designers, editors. Those those are all people that you need if you want to actually publish. Um, But if you're just so new, you don't even have a story written, you still need to have that support from the other writers. So guilds are really great for that. Yeah. Also, you can never learn too much about writing. Like, the the industry is constantly changing, and that's included both in traditional and, uh, and self-publishing, independent publishing. So having a connection to a group of people who know more than you do yeah. gives you access to, you know, places to ask specific questions or keeping your thumb on the pulse of the changing industry because it's the rules are constantly being changed, being redefined, 
uh, new terms. You got to know all the buzzwords. Yeah. And the only way to do that is to spend a, all day, every day on Twitter reading every think piece you can find or hanging out with people who also find it interesting and starting conversations. There you go. Yeah. So, um, so I mentioned before about, you know, uh, social media. Jen, where can, uh, where can our listeners find you? Uh, I'm Jennifer Stolzer, all one word, all lowercase. That's S-T-O-L-Z-E-R. Um, on Twitter and on Tumblr. On, if you want to look at more illustration stuff, uh, I have an illustration page on Facebook, Jennifer Stolzer Illustration. And you can search me. Um, I have a DeviantArt out there somewhere. Uh, my website is jenniferstolzer.com. Excellent. So you can find links to all those things there. Excellent. Jess, where can they find you? Yeah, so my website is jessicamatthewsbooks.com. It's M-A-T-H-E-W-S. And I have I've links to Jen's pages and her website. I have links to the Writers Guild and some other resources for writers. And uh, you can also find me on Facebook at Jessica Matthews Books. That's my author page. And, uh, and on Redbubble. Everything is Jessica Matthews Books, so it makes it easy. Excellent. Excellent. So, yes, by all means, you know, like writers, you know, out there, aspiring authors, uh, those that are, you know, that are really ramping up and getting themselves going, network, network, network. We cannot stress how important it is to get yourself out there. Get yourself around people that are like you. You are going to find that this is this really is like a really great you know like haven that you can find for um for yourself for your sanity for your craft for everything and it's just going to be nothing but a positive effect on you um who knows you could wind up meeting a you know like someone who will be a collaborator in the near future so please keep getting yourself out there so for, uh, for Jessica Matthews, for Jennifer Stolzer, this is George Soroy saying to all of you, ever upward. I'll see you next week.